Turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5 for just a little while tonight. I'd like for us to think together about the theme when the chief shepherd shall appear. When the chief shepherd shall appear. May we bow together in prayer, please. Our Father, we approach thy throne in deep humility and yet with boldness, knowing that the way into the holiest has been made available through the blood of the everlasting covenant. We do not presume upon God tonight, but in deep humility we come just to commune with thee and ask that the Holy Spirit would be our guide and teacher as we study to show ourselves approved unto God. Thank you for all the blessed music that has encouraged us and strengthened us tonight. We pray that just now, thy Holy Spirit will make clear the word. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'd like to read the first nine verses. This morning we read verses 10 through 14. We've taken a reverse order study of this chapter. This has been a wonderful week as we study together the Word, just restricting ourselves to 1 Peter. Last Sunday morning, we spoke from the last part of the first chapter. Sunday night, part of the second chapter. Then we studied it, just uh, chapter by chapter, sometimes verse by verse through the week. And on Monday night at 8 o'clock, Brother Ed Snyder spoke to us from the third chapter about our homes. On Tuesday night, Brother Clyde Gordon spoke to us from the fifth chapter about Satan. On Wednesday night, Brother Houchin spoke to us from the first chapter about our living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively, living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God and salvation. He said that's his favorite chapter in the Bible. And he brought a wonderful message to our hearts to encourage us. And then this morning, we spoke from 1 Peter chapter 5, establish, strengthen, settle you. Three words with which Peter closes this book. Tonight, the anticipation of the coming of the king, when the chief shepherd shall appear. The elders who are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight of it not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. In like manner, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. 
Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You think of that theme, verse 4, and when the chief shepherd shall appear. If you had a big banner across the front of the auditorium that said, when the chief shepherd shall appear, all the lights were dimmed and blazing lights were put on that banner, what would come to your mind? When the chief shepherd shall appear. Now in this first part, he is talking to shepherds. He has said, I want to talk to the elders just a few minutes. I'm also an elder. The word elder, the word bishop, the word overseer, the word pastor, all these refer to the same office. And he has some words. He says, uh, what you do, don't do it for filthy lucre's sake. Don't do it by constraint. Don't do it as a lord over God's heritage, do it as unto the Lord. And then he has some words to the sheep. In verse 5, in like manner ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humility is not a condition of self-effacement where we say, well, I can't do anything. Humility is not a matter of criticizing oneself or thinking of oneself as nothing, but rather humility is a matter of recognizing our spiritual gifts, recognizing what they are, exercising them as unto the Lord, and yet recognizing that all of it is from God. And all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. So that whether we play the piano like Retha and Mac and Bonnie, or whether we sing like Jim and Bob and Carol and Jerry, or whether we teach like some great teachers, or whether we usher like the great ushers, whatever we find to do, we do it as unto the Lord recognizing our position, recognizing we do it as unto Jesus, and also recognizing our role that we play. The nurse, not despising the fact that she's not a doctor, she's a nurse, and she must be in cooperation with the orders that the doctor gives. The doctor recognizing that he's not a nurse, knowing that he's in charge, gives orders that can be followed, and yet has patience and understanding concerning their followership. All of us recognizing the role we play, the position God has placed us in, submitting ourselves one to another in the spirit of Jesus, looking for the chief shepherd. 
watching for the chief shepherd, waiting for the chief shepherd. And when he shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Dr. Lee tells the story of meeting his wife. He said he went to this service and there was a girl singing in the choir. And they were singing, they sang a duet, two girls sang a duet. And they sang Whispering Hope and Dr. Lee said, my heart whispered hope. They had an expression in those days, knock me down to, that meant introduce me to. And after the service, he went up to a friend and said, knock me down to that girl. That meant introduce me to her. And he got to know her and he asked her to sit with him in church and she said, no, I sit in the choir. He said, I could hardly wait for the service to be over. But he said, I respected her. And my heart whispered higher hope. The days went by, finally she became his wife. And on their honeymoon, he said to her, honey, I love you very, very much. I wouldn't have asked you to be my wife. But all of our lives, you're gonna to have to take second place. She looked at him. She said, now what do you mean by that? He said, I'm sorry, but Christ has first place in my life. And all the days of our lives, you'll have to take second place. She said, Bob, if Christ is gonna be first place in your life, then I want to be second place because I know you will be the kind of husband to me that God wants you to be. He said his heart whispered higher hope because he looked forward to the time when the chief shepherd would appear. The weekend, his wife went to be with the Lord after years and years and years together. Dr. Lee called me three times that weekend. One time was from the funeral home. He said, I just want to tell you that the comfort that I've preached to others, I found out it's true. The message of grace that I've preached to others. He said, I'm standing in a funeral home where I've preached a thousand funerals. I've always stood on the other side. I've always preached that God is sufficient, that His grace is sufficient. He said, I've learned that's true. And I can hardly wait to see the chief shepherd. Those thoughts and memories live on in my heart. I wanted to share that with you. When the chief shepherd shall appear, we'll receive a crown that fadeth not away. Someday the silver cord will break. And I no more as now shall sing, but all oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. When my life's work is ended and I've crossed the swelling tide, I shall see him. I shall know him by the nail prints in his hands. There's a little chorus that we don't sing anymore, Jim. I don't know why, but a long time ago we sang it often here at Glendale. I don't know whether I remember all of it or not, but it goes like this. Someday we shall be like him, living in sweet 
living with Christ in glory. Jesus, our wonderful Lord. When the chief shepherd shall appear, he'll have with him a crown that fadeth not away. Now you think first of all of the term, the chief shepherd. What does that bring to your mind? Years ago, I was on a train going from, coming from Washington State, from Portland, Oregon, to Chicago. And in those days, the trains didn't have diners. Well, I guess a lot of them had did, but that train I was on didn't have a diner. It stopped every several hours for people to eat. They'd go in these stations along the way and eat. And between two places, between noon and the evening meal, we were passing through Montana. And I looked way up on the mountainside, and I saw a whole flock of sheep. And I saw a shepherd with a staff. Some years later, God gave me the opportunity to travel in the land of the Bible. We were on a bus coming down from Lebanon into Israel. We came down through what is called the Valley of Baca. In the Old Testament, that valley was a valley of weeping and wailing and sorrow. The psalmist said when they went through the Valley of Baca, they made it a well, a well of rejoicing. They went through the Valley of Sorrow, they made it a well. And I looked out in the valley of Baca, and there was a flock of sheep and a shepherd. And I thought of Jesus. The psalmist said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd? Do you have him as your own personal shepherd tonight? Then don't be afraid what men will do to you. Don't be afraid of the obstacles of life. Don't be afraid of financial problems. Don't even be afraid of sickness. Why the psalmist said, he maketh me to lie down. But remember, it's always so he could lead us by green pastures and restore our soul. I think tonight of a dear old lady I met when I first began to preach. I can't remember her name tonight. I think if I thought enough, I would. This was in a little town in Savannah, Tennessee. I used to go by and visit her. Her body was all eaten up with arthritis. She had been a tremendous person in her days, been faithful to Jesus, been faithful to her church. Now she couldn't go to church at all. Each time I would visit her, she would be lying either on her back or on her side, 
She could not move her hands. She could not move her feet. To eat, they had to feed her. They had to take care of everything about her bodily functions. I would talk to her about Jesus. And she told me how much she loved the Lord. And she never once looked back with bitterness and said, why does God let this happen to me? Why am I so frail? Why am I so disfigured? And indeed she was disfigured. They say she at one time had been a beautiful, elegant lady. There was very little beautiful about the outward structure. But oh, how beautiful her soul. She talked about Jesus. She bragged about Jesus. She sang about Jesus. They said that she used to sing solos in church. I believe it because she sang solos to me. Every time I'd go see her, she'd sing, preach, she'd say, preacher, before you go, now I want you to pray, and then I want you to let me sing my little song. And that little lady, they had to lift her for everything, weighed less than 50 pounds. She would sing. And I remember the last time I visited her, she sang, pull sailor, pull sailor, pull for the shore. Heed not the tossing billows, cling to the oar. Pull sailor, pull for the shore. And then through twinkling eyes, she looked up and she said, you know, preacher, one day the chief shepherd will appear and he'll fix all this. And she looked at her disfigured hands. The Lord is my shepherd. What do we have that comes to us that we grumble about, we complain about all the, 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 the vicissitudes and all the disfiguration and all the problems that come our way? Peter says, when the chief shepherd shall appear, the chief shepherd, you'll receive a crown that fades not away. Look for the glory after a while. When we think of the chief shepherd coming, we think of the rewards that come with him. Over and over again in the scripture, we're reminded that there's going to be honor when Christ appears. In Luke chapter 12, verse 37, there's going to be honor from the king. Listen to this. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down and eat and will come forth and serve them. I can't hardly stand that. I want to serve him. But this scripture says he's going to serve us. That's the reason I like that song, Brethren, we have met to worship. One of the stanzas says, Christ will gird himself and serve us. I don't understand that. All of our lives we've spent serving the king. We've looked forward to seeing him one day when we step into his presence. We're going to receive the honor of being served by him. You say that's almost presumptuous. I wouldn't say it if the word of God didn't say it. But he takes glory in serving us. That's the reason he can easily say to us, serve one another. Don't ever gloat over 
your position, be a chief servant. When Christ comes, he's going to serve you. In John 14, verse 3, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. We're going to have fellowship with the shepherd. We're going to go in and out. We have some fellowship with him here. Every once in a while, I get to wondering, Lord, what would it be like to talk to you personally about this particular problem? I don't know about you, but I have some problems every once in a while that bother me. And I just would like to talk to Jesus about them. I like to sit down and say, now, Lord, I know I can pray, and I know I can read the Bible, and I know you speak to me through these ways, and you speak to me through godly counsel, but Lord, I'd really like to just meet with you personally and have you tell me what to do specifically about this. One, two, three, here's what to do. And then I'd go out and I'd know you told me to do that. Just as quickly as I say that to him, he says, Lord, he says, uh, Richard, I want you to walk by faith here. One day you will have that kind of fellowship with me, but right now you walk by faith. Get as close to me as you can and walk by faith. In 1 John chapter 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You think of stepping on shore and taking a hand and finding it the hand of Jesus. Opening your eyes and looking to the face of Jesus. Taking a deep breath and finding it ethereal air of heaven. Beloved, now we're the sons of God. Thank God for that. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. John saw him as he is in Revelation chapter 1, and he wrote that beautiful vision of the glorified Christ. I like to read that over and over again. But one day we're going to see him. We'll see him as he is, face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be when with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me? I'll see him face to face. Now, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. This is saying that when our chief shepherd shall appear, we're going to appear with him in glory. We don't have to be afraid that he's going to leave us out. This young man that was baptized tonight, the young lady that was baptized tonight, giving, giving testimony to the faith that is in their hearts, they're going to appear with Christ just like the saint who died a thousand years ago will appear with Christ. And we will recognize and know one another. Somebody says, will we know each other in heaven? We're not going to know less there than we know here. If I know you here, and we get to heaven, and I'm so dumb, and we're so blinded that we don't know each other, what kind of insight is that? Jesus said we will know as we're known. We'll see as we're seen. Yes, we're going to recognize one another in heaven. And we'll recognize the saints of other days. I believe we'll know Isaiah just instantaneously. I don't think somebody's going to have to come up and say, I want you to meet Brother Jeremiah or Brother Ezekiel or Brother Daniel. 
we'll say, oh, that's the guy that was in the lion's den. I want to talk to him. Or that's the guy that was beheaded outside on the Appian Way. That's the Apostle Paul. I want to meet him. I want to talk to him. We'll know him instantly. And they're not going to have to say the king is coming because we'll see him and we'll recognize him and we'll know him when the chief shepherd shall appear. And in 1 Peter, Paul says, uh, Peter says there's a fadeless crown that fades not away. Now there's some terrible warnings in the Bible, warnings concerning the wicked. In Matthew 24, 30, there will be mourning, mourning, terrible mourning. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, there will be shame. In 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 and 8, Christ will appear with vengeance. Listen, don't ever be tempted to take vengeance in your own hands. Don't ever decide that you have been so marred or sinned against or somebody has spoken blasphemously against you that you have to go and correct it all and you have to take vengeance and, and make matters straight and go tell somebody off. You don't have to do that. When the Lord Jesus comes, he's going to take vengeance. And brother, he knows how to do it. Leave it to him. Let him take care of it. I heard of two people on the job got into quite a tiffle, really upset with each other. And uh, the one was right and the other was wrong. And as often as the case, the one that was wrong said, I'm going to go to the boss about you. So he went to the boss and he told his side of the story. And they had a wise boss. And the boss just began to observe. And he observed and he observed. The other one didn't say a word. After a while of observing, several weeks went by. Several months went by. Nothing was done. After a while, that boss called the first guy back in, the one who had complained. And he said, I've observed. I've observed over a period of months. You're the one that's wrong. And the reason you're wrong is because you have been doing some skullduggery. You've been doing some stealing. You've been taking some things that didn't belong to you. And you've been lording it over this other one and stirring up strife. You're fired. The other one who had never said a word realized that when you commit it all to the Lord, God eventually takes care of it. But my dear friend, when you take vengeance in your own hands, when you decide that you're going to take care of it, you're going to set everything right, you're going to go tell somebody off because they've offended you or they've hurt you, God may have to stand back and say, okay, you go on and do it. Take care of yourself. If you'd let me, I'd take care of you, but if you're going to take care of yourself, mess it all up, that's okay. I'd much rather vengeance belong to the Lord, wouldn't you? Let God take care of it. He's the one that knows how to straighten it out. One day, David was being pursued by Saul. He said, one day, someday, I will die by the hand of Saul. As far as we can read in the scripture, David did nothing wrong. 
He was God's sweet psalm singer. He's the one who killed Goliath. He's the one who tried to calm Saul's nerves with his beautiful music. He was the sweet singer of Israel who wrote all those wonderful psalms. Now he was being sinned against. David committed it all to the Lord. One day, Saul seemingly was delivered into David's hand. His men said, go down there and kill him. There he's in the cave. Nobody's to protect him. You just go down there and kill him. And David went down. I don't know whether he was really tempted to kill him or not, but he took his sword and just cut a little piece of his garment and took some of his weapons, went out of the cave and called back, Saul, Saul, this is David. I could have killed you today, but I don't want to kill you. Saul awakened to the fact that David was more righteous than he. David committed it all to the Lord. Never once did he take vengeance. It took a while, but in the accounts of God, God got it all settled, and Saul died a suicide on Gilboa, and David reigned as king. Can you trust God to take care of things? Can you trust him to take care of all the uneven things that come into your life? And don't you sit there and say there aren't any uneven things. Sure there are. Everybody in this room has been wronged in one way or the other. One of the shames that come to Christians is that all too often we tend to take matters in our own hands and we say, I'm going to be God. I'm going to take vengeance. Shame on us. Let God be the venger. Behold, he cometh with vengeance, with 10,000 of his saints and thousands of thousands. And Paul says in 1st Thess- 2nd Thessalonians, he is coming to take vengeance on them that obey not the gospel of God. And so the vengeance belongs to the Lord. When he comes, he's coming in vengeance. If you're here tonight and you're on the wrong side of truth, You're on the wrong side of the issue. You're not following God. You're not following His Word. You're not obeying His injunctions. You're not in harmony with His church. You're not following His leaders. A warning. God Himself brings judgment. God Himself brings vengeance. Vengeance isn't going to come to you from some human pair of hands. It'll come to you from God. And beloved, I'd rather let God take care of it all, wouldn't you? Let him do it. When the chief shepherd shall appear. When the chief shepherd shall appear. Now when's he coming? I don't know. In Matthew 24, in Luke 12, and in 1 Thessalonians 5, we read that he's coming as a thief in the night. He's coming at a time when we do not know. He's coming in such an hour as you think not. And Jesus said, watch and pray, for you know not the hour that he comes. He's coming as a thief in the night. If you knew what hour the thief was coming, you'd sit up day and night and watch. But you don't know what hour he's coming. Neither do you know what hour Jesus is coming. So therefore, so order your life to live in the light of his coming, his glorious expectancy. Jesus is coming again. I do not know the hour. He may come tonight. 
He may come in the morning. Matter of fact, I expected him all through 1982. I was sorry not to be here with you on watch night that night because I thought maybe the Lord would come and I'd like to go up with you. But I thought, well, he can take me from over there at Mount Victor as well as he can from here. So it was all right. He may come tomorrow. Surely he will come sometime in 1983. If he doesn't come in 83, he may come in 84. But I want to tell you, he's coming. He's coming any hour of the day, any hour of the night, and we need to be ready. On the radio this morning, I heard a preacher say, I'm speaking to some who will die this week. How true that is. I do not know who his radio audience was, but I'm confident that somebody who was listening will not be listening next Sunday or they may be listening from eternity. That may be true of someone in this room tonight. I do not know the timing when the chief shepherd shall appear. I think there are actually two appearances he's going to make. First of all, he's going to appear in death when he takes you. Just before Dr. Lee went home, he had been sick from the heart attack for some time. Our old-fashioned singers went down and sang for him. Billy Graham came to see him. Bev Shea sang, How Great Thou Art, in the bedroom. They thought he had gone into a coma. His daughter went out to call the doctor because they thought for sure he was dying, and she called the doctor and she came back in the room and there was Billy Graham down on his knees and Dr. Lee had his arms around Billy Graham's head praying for Billy Graham. He'd come back. A few hours later, he said, Hildreth, look. Hildreth, look. What is it, Papa? Hildreth, I see a familiar figure. Don't you see that bright light? Hildreth, look. Look. Oh, Hildreth, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And Hildreth, look behind him. Well, there's a familiar figure. Oh, Hildreth, that's Mama. That's Mama. And then he said, I wish God would let me preach again. I'd like to tell him about heaven. I tried all these years to tell people what heaven was like, but I failed so miserably. Oh, if God would give me one more chance. Hildreth, that's heaven. A little while he closed his eyes and was awakened in heaven. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you may see him just before you go. I've been with people just before they crossed the river their eyes seemed to brighten. I told you the other day about the little lady at the hospital who was talking about the rock. Her children didn't have any idea what she was talking about. They thought she was out of her mind. She said, I saw the rock. I saw the rock. And he told me to go back for a minute and then to come on. They said, we go in there and talk to her. We don't know what she's saying. She's sort of confused out of her mind. I went in and stood by her a little while and she said, she looked up and she said, 
I started praying with her. She looked up and said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yes. She said, I'm glad you came. You know what I'm talking about. I've seen the rock. I've been on the rock, and he told me to come back a little while and tell my children to come. Would you please tell them? Tell them they don't understand. Tell them. She closed her eyes and went back to the rock, and I went out there and told her children, you may see him just before he comes after you in death when the chief shepherd shall appear. It'll be worth it all. But our going may be quick. Our going may be sudden. Or we may go down into some kind of a valley, into a coma, and maybe we won't have the experience that some of those saints have had. But I'm persuaded that when we close this earthly story and we wake up in his presence, we see him. I think the first, first person we'll see is our Lord, the chief shepherd. And then he's coming in the air. He's coming as a thief in the night. He's coming to say, come away. Come away from all of earth's disdain and all of earth's burdens and all the uneven things and all those things that have plagued your life and all the sorrows and all the tears. Come away. And we'll go with him. What joy, what delight should we go without dying? No sickness, no sadness, no sorrow, no crying. Caught up in the clouds with our Lord and the glory when Jesus receives his own. Oh, Lord Jesus, how long, how long, ere we shout that glad song, hallelujah, Christ returneth, hallelujah, amen, when the chief shepherd shall appear. And then he's coming. He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming in the rapture, and we'll be caught up together with him the marriage supper of the Lamb, the judgment seat of Christ. Down here on earth, the terrible dark tribulation period, the rule of the Antichrist. And when somebody receives Christ as Savior and rejects the mark of the beast, and he's his life is taken, and he goes immediately into the presence of the Lord, he will then see the chief shepherd. But there's coming a day. Listen, beloved, there's coming a day when King Jesus will come on that white stallion. And he's going to come marching out of heaven and all the armies of heaven will be with him according to Revelation 19 and he'll have in his mouth the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and he will slay and put to death all the enemies of God instantly and the battles will be over and when the battle's over we shall wear a crown in the new Jerusalem and we'll reign with Christ for a thousand years and the sweet, precious thing about that rain is every day we'll get to look upon him, the chief shepherd. We'll see him, and we'll be like him, and we'll love him when the chief shepherd shall appear. Are you ready? Do you love him? There are some crowns. I don't have time to talk about them tonight, but there are some crowns for those that look forward to the coming of Christ. And one of the crowns is for those who love his appearing. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 
There's a scripture verse, Paul is saying, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of rejoicing, a crown of righteousness. And it's not for me only, but it's also for those who love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? Do you look forward to it? Do you live in the expectance of his coming? When the chief shepherd shall appear, then ye shall receive a crown that fadeth not away. Oh, that will be glory for me. When all my labors and trials are o'er, and I'm safe on that beautiful shore, just to be near the dear Lord I adore, will through the ages.